Hey mates, welcome to another episode of Hughes Interviews. I'm joined today by Chloe Town and Nathan Fernandez, who are currently, uh, have written I should say, and are directing and producing a show for the comedy festival called The Scary Goat Tour. Um, we'll get into all of that, but first of all, thanks for joining me, guys. Thanks Thank for you us. for having us. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit fun. My pleasure. Um, so, uh, with me, I always like to start at the start. So, what got you guys into the whole creative game? Oh, um, oh I always loved theatre and performing. Mm. Um, I got into singing when I was about 10. I mm. discovered Queen and Freddie Mercury, and he pretty much made me want to become a singer but because their music is really theatrical i realized that even though i liked the idea of performing i realized that it was actually something that i wanted to do as a living Mm. and then i ended up how young was this oh probably it took me a while to realize that you could actually study theater i thought that it just sort of got created (laughs) Um, so it was probably when I was about 17 years old, I realized that it was actually a career path. A viable option, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I eventually studied at APO Arts Academy and that was where I met Nathan. Yeah. I have quite an ironic story for growing oh, up. Do tell. Um, cause You're I was so always... wicked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just not one of those girls, you know. Uh, no, I was uh, one of those children. Um, you know, one of those children. Yeah, so this is a, an audio medium for people <laughs> at home. He just did a, uh, air quotes. Uh, yes. Um, so yeah, I was one of those children, but refused to get into anything performing cause that was for girls. Mm. Um, so you had to stay away from that. And then it got to about 12, 13 and my mother forced me, um, into an acting class. Mm. And from there it just kind of started snowballing. I take up dancing, singing lessons, first musical by the, you know, when I was 13. What and musical just, was that? Uh, that was, uh, the Mikado. It was oh. my first musical, <laughs> you know, the old traditionals. G&S. Yeah, <laughs> GNS. Um, Smashing it out. I was a Were Japanese the, warrior. Oh, I was going to say you weren't the uh, the one that the list song. No, no, because I was I was twelve. <laughs> oh, <of> <laughs> but I was a Japanese warrior because, because they go off to war young, you know. <laughs> Back in the day, um, yeah, you're, you're in your midlife crisis. Um, great, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. So no. yeah, first musical then kind of just kept rolling Then through. yeah, just snowballed, snowballed, you know, school musicals, mm. amateur musicals. And then it got to the day after I was 18 and I moved out to Melbourne to study at APO where, I, yeah, as I said, I met Chloe. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, you did, you did a couple of years there and learned a lot and grew a lot and rollercoasted a lot. Oh. I'm Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went there too. Um <laughs> Great, and then you got out into the out into the industry, and you've you've done a few shows. So, I, I who wants to jump in first with the the first show that they they jump into? Um, oh well, I did one or two amateur shows immediately after I graduated, mm. but one show that I was involved in it was the first year when I was out was a new Australian musical called In Like Flynn. That oh, was like about Errol Flynn, right? No, no, no surprisingly, no. Oh, I it was it. about. So <laughs> but the lesser known Flynn. Uh, they've changed the name since because a lot of people get confused. Well, but I like would. Flynn is about Errol Flynn. Yeah. Uh, well, about his... <laughs> mm. well, some people said that this was where everyone got confused. Um, yeah. A lot of people, apparently, the director of the show mm. assured us that 
Some people believe that the phrase in Lake Flynn is not about Errol Flynn, but about John Flynn, who the musical was about. What did John Flynn do? He founded the Royal Australian Flying Doctor Service. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So um, what did the musical cover? His life? His life and him getting everything set up. It was a really... It was... I had a great time doing it because mm. we were, it was my first gig where we were actually getting paid. Um, so it just felt so amazing especially being involved in something new Mm. and i think that that in a way was what sort of made me really realize how much of a buzz i get from being involved in creating new works Mm. and it was really really fun yeah and getting to put your own stamp on yeah on it and all of that originating roles is fun yeah it's good fun isn't it um because then people have to copy you exactly yeah um, great. And then, uh, Nathan, I know you, uh, I think Spring Awakening was a, a, a big one for you. Yes. How was that? Was, oh, what an experience. Mm. Um, it was yeah. also my first kind of paid work. Um, yeah, I had quite a, a basic uh, beginning after uh, finishing an APO. Mm. <laughs> I went straight into Wicked. Uh, you got the best line in that, though. I did get the best line which, in the show, which, which is, um, The Wizard Will See You Now. Um, um, iconic. Iconic. Um, so, <laughs> All ingrained at that point as absolutely well. Absolutely. Yeah. Resplendent. Resplendent. In, in a Lord Farquaad-style wig. It was <laughs> oh, an experience. Um, no, there's a bob and a half. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. Um, yeah, and then Spring Awakening was my first major kind of mm. paid uh, gig, which mm. was really, really great experience um it was really the first time i'd realized how key storytelling is as a focus Mm. for um musicals like you know it's all well and good to do fluff and it's all well and good to do those kind of fun pieces that keep people coming back to the theater and really enjoying themselves but um spring awakening was really the first one where i got the chance to go no this story is what's most important as long as we're telling the story honestly and truthfully then the enjoyment from the audience will come mm. and that came back in spades when it came to uh, the audience's uh, opinions of it yeah it was a beautiful production mm. and did everyone play an instrument in that as well or yeah qu- yeah mostly all of us played instruments which was yeah. such yeah. an experience i got to learn the the piano accordion just for the show <laughs> so what a time that is quite a time <laughs> um and uh, what was apart from the the aspect of storytelling in the show what was another major thing you learned about it um, it was definitely, I'm going to pull it slightly back to storytelling cause I can't help myself. Um, but it was all about, um, how it isn't just the words mm. and the music mm. that tell this story. It's all about the movement, the, the connections between the characters. Like it's so important that every, every single part of that show is evoking the story because it's all very well and good. You know, you can do a fantastic musical and then all of a sudden you're telling this beautiful story and then dance break and you've lost all of the momentum that it builds whereas every single movement part and every single piece really um for want of a better word massaged the story into into being what it was (laughs) it was so special yeah Mm. uh now chloe you were in both productions of Mad World, correct? Yes. So can you tell me about, I mean, first of all, immersive theatre is, is an pretty incredible thing to be a part of, uh, but what was the, you know, a major change between doing part one and part two? Mad World was a whole huge experience for mm. me. I had the best time ever doing both part one and part two. 
Um, I found with part one of Mad World, we had a lot more, we as actors were able to have a lot of uh, drive in the creation of our characters. Mm. Uh, because I like to do art and paint and draw and things as well. And they found that out about a couple of weeks in. And so then they were like, all right, Chloe, your character can have a whole room full of creepy drawings. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then when we did the second time around season, uh, our characters were already established. So it was more working on refining the characters Mm. and then adding things on top of that and then working in the new characters as well mm. um i would be up for mad world season three to be honest if if, if i was asked i would be there <laughs> in a half days <laughs> um and I, I guess i want to talk a bit about the the immersive aspect of it as well so um obviously that means that there's not just people sitting down watching the one show if that's what you want to do that's an option but you i mean you had a room so you had to go off and mm. find you uh in order to see your performance now does do you have a strict kind of time uh, limit or do you wait for specific cues to know that you're going on to the next part of the or phase of the show how um, does all that work well it was kind of different for different characters mm. a lot of characters had quite set scripted scenes but with me they were a lot more fluid and so they were pretty much chloe you can just go off and fuck around for Oh, sorry, mess around. So I can we're, say fuck. we're going to have an explicit tag on okay. this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you little faith. Chloe, you can just... I can't believe I was the first one to say it. I know. Um, I'm the sweet one. <laughs> um, oh, they, they were pretty much that, Chloe, you can just kind of go around and do mm. whatever you want for the majority of the show. Mm. Um, just be creepy. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, challenge accepted. Mm. And that was really fun. So mm. I just kind of... So was there much room for improvising every night then? Or yeah. did you have a set script? Mm-hmm. How did all that work? I didn't have too much of a script. There were a couple of scenes, mm. importance of plot-related scenes, where I had lines that I was supposed to say. But supposed to. Supposed to. <laughs> whether or not they came out exactly. I'm notorious. I like to go off script quite a bit. Um, so Mad World was great for me. Yeah. I sort of, I developed a few sort of old favourites, old faithfuls mm. that I would drop in every night at some mm. stage. But what I liked the most about Mad World was that for my character in particular, I could have more of a conversation with audience members. Mm. And that was really special, I think, for Oh, I don't know about for audiences, but for me as an actor, because you never knew what was going to come next. And it was kind of, it, it was acting, but it kind of felt like just playing pretend for two hours and you just fully could be the character. And I think that that was such an amazing experience. Mm. And I learned a lot as a performer from doing that. Great. Uh, well, uh, just jumping on something you mentioned, someone who likes to go off script. Mm. How did you find doing Shakespeare then? Um, it was very different, (laughs) um, but I I think with the, I've done three different productions of Twelfth Night, Mm. um, well, two of, two repeat productions with Melbourne Shakespeare. Oh, I'd like to do 12 Twelfth Nights. I'll work my way through the cast and play a different character each time. Yeah. Um, a lot, because Twelfth Night that I've done is quite a funny show, a lot of what you can... No, I mean, I don't want to do a different performance every night, but a lot of what you can play around with is the some, sometimes the delivery of the lines and also your physicality mm. without 
completely messing everyone else up. Yeah. Um, but it, again, is a very different kind of feel show to Mad World. And a couple of times I've gone straight from another show into a Shakespeare, mm. which has been really interesting because it does take a while for you to sort of flip your brain over. It's quite the gear change, to, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And especially with Shakespearean texts, like Twelfth Night's not too bad, but a lot of the time it does kind of feel like you're speaking a foreign language. And so you need to sort of really focus to get your brain working and sort of translating and also making sure that the audience understands what mm. you're saying. That I think that's one of the main points as well because so, so many times people will do Shakespeare, but you watch them and if you haven't studied the text yourself, you don't know what they're talking about. So a lot of what I like with the productions of Shakespeare that I've been involved in is that we've taken steps to make it really accessible to audiences. Great. Which is what I like. Yeah, it's a good mm. thing to good thing mm. to do. Um, great. Now back to you, Nathan. Mm. And another show you you got to be part of was Rent. How was Rent? that? Ah, what a time. Um, so Rent was a show that was uh, somewhat special to me. I mean, it's special to everybody, but, um, <laughs> but I was, um, it was my final show back in Canberra. Right. Um, so it was also the first, this was my first show as an adult because I just turned 18, like just a month after we closed. So it was kind of like, oh, it's my first adult show. Like it was so exciting. Um, and I really got kind of like involved. Um, but I never really got the point of rent at that point because the first time around it was just oh we just get to have fun and be gay and (laughs) you know just be that kind of fun uh experience but Mm. uh the second time around um again i'm gonna sound like such a broken record i'm gonna try to avoid it at all costs but bringing it really back to the story Mm -hmm. and the kind of the setting and the uh the second time we really focused on why each of the characters, no matter how small, no matter how inconsequential they may be, um, they're still so important to telling the total story. Um, and it was really, really fun to be able to revisit a piece of work that I'd already done, much like you did with uh, Twelfth Night, Chloe. Um, Good time. Really, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm great at segues and times. Um, but um, really being able to revisit a text that I knew, but give it something different and really focus on a different aspect of it. Mm. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Loved it. Yeah. yeah. And then the next one we shared together, Bright Star. We did. Oh, Bright Star. Now, we had very different tracks in that. I spent a lot of time backstage uh, wandering on, dropping a comedic line, then wandering off again, whereas you were straddling several different uh, time zones. And I was worried how you were yeah. going to finish that <laughs> sentence. Uh. And basically the whole time on stage. <laughs> Um, how did you how did you find all of that? I mean, I do know uh, one little fun little tidbit was at one point in order to get a costume across the stage, you had to wear it under an existing costume. Yes, I did. Um, that was a time. Um, no, it was such it was such an interesting experience because I being you know having studied to dance at APO. Mm. Mama knows how to do a quick change, you know. Um, oh, yeah. you, know, you come away with at least that ability. That's absolutely. For sure. I remember one of the showcases. I had to go from a tux to a three-piece suit in forty seconds. Oh, mm. yeah. I did the reverse. Different shirt as well. I did the reverse. So we went from side by side, which I think. Yeah, we started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so we did side by side, and then went into. Um, was it beat me, daddy? Ate to the bar or something. 
Um, I can't much. remember the number, but it was like this huge, like, ten minute dance number mm. after side by side. So it was an experience. So no, Mama knows how to quick change, but getting the because all of the costume pieces and working with Jody and making sure that all of the costume pieces we were wearing were really specific to the time, mm. and so that we were the right characters and the location and too. the locations. Yeah. So really being able to get those across to the um, other side of the stage was so crucial, and you know. Mm for some performers um especially when you're first starting out you kind of sit there and go it's a hat mate like Mm. you don't need to stress so much about the hat but then when you focus on that story and what the visual is able to do to add to that medium Mm. um it's it was transformative what we ended up doing with that piece and i think a lot of it was just that level of commitment to telling the story in all of its difference um yeah, time and places mm. um, and moving all of those crates <laughs> around. Oh my god, those crates. <laughs> what a crazy time. Yeah, it was a, it was a crate time for everyone. <laughs> uh, crate Double whammy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, what was I going to say? I might just pause. Oh. Hey Google, turn the TV lights on. So, oh, turn the TV lights on. I'm keeping that in. Come on, technology. <laughs> oh damn. <laughs> We're going to run the world someday, aren't they? Um, Caroline O'Connor had something to say about your performance. Yeah, look, um, she said I had great comedic timing. There you go. It's going on the CV. It's 100% on the CV. Like, anyone says the name Caroline O'Connor, my first words out of my mouth is, She thinks I'm funny! She thinks I'm funny, so... Um, Yeah, what an experience. Um, Because I obviously grew up watching the film Moulin Rouge, as we all did. Um, And... Her sister, Terry, she lives in Canberra and she fitted my first ever pair of dance shoes. Yeah. So I have like a bit of a somewhat sentimental connection to the O'Connor family if I do yeah. so myself. And for her to really enjoy my performance was, yeah, something super special. So. Yeah. She was very lovely. Yeah, she? absolutely. She loved you too. Like, yes. what a great time. <laughs> but I'm not allowed to blow my own horn in my own podcast. <laughs> That's why I did it for you. You're welcome. Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> um, now back to you, Chloe. Nathan's been holding a bit of the airwaves there. Um, so you've also done a fair bit of vaudeville and burlesque. Uh, how, how does that kind of... Yeah, well, um, I don't do the burlesque Not the personally. burlesque part, but the vaudeville um, aspect. Yeah, um, I've been working a bit in the most recent year um, doing emceeing. Mm. Um, I've created... I kind of worked off my character Dora from Mad World to create this Did new... Did Explorer by any chance? Uh, she, well, we made the joke that when she stops drawing, she's going to be Dora the Ex-Drawer. Uh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh, we need God. to take a moment there to just process <laughs> oh, that. That's incredible. Well, she kind of is the extra because I don't draw with her anymore. Um, but I've given her a last name. Uh, her name is Dora Bowl, and so I've been emceeing some vaudeville burlesque kind of nights. I love the 1920s and 30s mm. as a as aesthetic. I love old films and. The whole vaudeville thing and so it's been really really cool for me to be able to encapsulate some of that in my performances mm. um there's definitely more to come with dora great mm. more to hopefully explore. this year <laughs> exactly <laughs> Got it in there. um wonderful and now on to the scary goat tour yes. um so do you want to give me a quick synopsis breakdown of that yes Scary Goats Tour is... Goats. Goats. Come on, Mm. you're better than this. (laughs) Scary Goats Tour is the tale of Mel, 
who is a paranormal debunker, mm -hmm. and it's her job to go around and prove that ghosts don't exist. Um, Mel is quite successful. She has a YouTube channel, and she has big plans to go to this place called Thorn Homestead Ghost Tour mm. for her second year anniversary of her YouTube channel. However, she accidentally books in for Thorn Farm Goats Tour instead. <laughs> um, and so her and her camera operator ended up going to this goats tour. Uh, but then turns out there's actually the spirit of an evil goat ghost called Billy who gets reawakened and then attacks them. Oh, and okay. so then Mel has to work out how to combine what she knows about ghosts with what she's just learned about goats to save the day. Right, there you go. So where, where did the idea for this come from? Because did you both write it or just... Um, well, well. That's, a, that's a complicated story. <laughs> um, I think you can lead and I'll oh. interject as necessary. Okay, well, um, I had been wanting to get more into writing because I love writing as a hobby, but I've never really thought mm. too much about writing my own material. Mm. And so I've, I've been is, really... It's, sorry, my, it's our first... Yes. Yes, that was the question I was about to ask. Oh. So you bet me to first. Mm. First, um, I run ghost tours as a sideline. Sure. Uh, which are very fun. You should totally come on one. Um, and one time, I can't attribute the original goat joke to myself because one time there was this family that came on one of my ghost tours, mm. and there was this dad, and he was like the master of dad jokes. Oh, sounds like a and hero. Um, an icon. <laughs> he was an icon. And he was joking to his kids, Oh, all right, guys, we're on a goat's tour. And they were like, Oh, Dad. And I was <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> And I was like, Oh, that's really funny. But wait. <laughs> and then I kept thinking about it while I was running the tour. And then I was walking home. And I'm like, How could this work as a show? You could do it with a cast of two. No, three. Have three people in the cast. This could happen, this could happen, this could happen. And then comedy festivals coming up, and then I messaged called, Nathan. You called I, me I called in a you. panic. You were like, "Nathan, I have this idea, and I really want to do it." And I was like, "Okay, go on. Here's another one of Chloe's brilliant ideas." There's a, I, I come <laughs> up with ideas. Quite There's a, a lot of ideas. Um, and then she told me it, and I was like, "That's actually genuinely hilarious." Mm. And then yeah, so she's like, "I'm going to write it," and I'm like, "Okay, fantastic." And, and then, I don't think you thought I was actually going to. No, but then I didn't. <laughs> next Jokes week, I had the, the draft. <laughs> Ever the cynic. Ever the cynic. Um, but, um, yeah, you had the draft, yeah, about a week later. And then you showed it to me, which was a monumental moment because she I, has, doesn't often show people her work. Right. So I, I love to come up with ideas, but I, I often get quite protective about sharing my work. And so this was this was a big, big emotional step for me. Oh, big emotional yeah. step. Um, it's great. But then um, she quickly regretted that because, of course, I have opinions about everything. And when, but you but your opinions it. were very constructive. All, all the things That's Nathan true. was saying was like, what if you put in a goat pun here? What if all the goats had puns of celebrity names? And then we just sort of ended up reading through the script and you just kept making these suggestions. And I was like, yeah, let's yeah. chuck that in. So is uh, Nathan's title the pun coordinator or something? Or? It should be. It should be, but I think we're just sticking with co-writer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then we ended up, because comedy, like the best comedy is written by people bouncing off each other. And from the original draft, we were able to bounce off so many ideas and I was coming up with new mm. ideas. You, were, Nathan was coming up with ideas as well. And then... You helped me so much. I'm like, well, I can't, can't. It's not just my own face. It's like you helped so much. So we are officially co-writers. Yeah, there you go. Always happy to take credit, you know, <laughs> when I can. 
Um, wonderful. So, uh, where, what are the inspirations for the, for the style of the show? Um, well, I love British comedies. I was raised on Monty Python and so, Faulty Towers. Yeah, um, I would, I'd been binging Flying Circus again uh, around the time when I started writing it, and I think that had been a huge influence <laughs> on me. Um, yeah, that's probably my main influence. But um, originally I wrote it so all of the cast could be played by any gender, but right. the more I started focusing on it, I was thinking there's not enough women roles in like this kind of Monty Python-ish kind of thing. Um, so I want to cast it all girls. And so I was like, yeah, right. Um, another influence though, when I was a teenager, I was hugely obsessed with the Mighty Boosh. I, I had, I didn't have any Mighty Boosh like merchandise, but I like wrote, I graffitied all of my folders in school <laughs> to make them look all Mighty Boosh-y. I was like obsessed. And there's a little bit of that in there as well, I would say. Great. Um, and how are you guys finding uh, being on the creative side of a project? So, you know, being not being the actor anymore, being in charge of all those creative decisions. Yeah, look, it's, <laughs> it's an experience because um, this is my directorial debut. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so really having the chance to take everything I've learnt as a performer, um, I think one of my big inspirations, and I really didn't want to say because I didn't want to give him a big head, but um, is Mark Taylor. Um, really kind of everything I learnt from him, I I'm really sorry, want who? to. Yeah, <laughs> just, just a friend. Um, he is, yeah, he was a big inspiration um, because I learnt so much working with him um, with Rent and Bright Star um, and that story focus. Um, and look, we're not, you know, we're not changing the game with this uh, play. You know, it's not we're not we're not reinventing the wheel or anything, mm. but um, being able to focus on that uh, level of story and uh, mm. honesty is where the com- a lot of the comedy comes from, um, in which these characters are they're not playing parodies of themselves. They're not playing parodies of characters. They're playing themselves mm-hmm. and they just happen to be in a somewhat hilarious situation. Um, and really focusing on that is yeah. And because you guys were the writers as well, does that mean you're open to if uh, an actor comes in or like accidentally stumbles across something funny during the rehearsal process, happy to just Mm. sub that in? Absolutely. We had one the other night and I'm not going to give it away because it is (laughs) regrettably me saying probably one of the funniest jokes in the piece (laughs) um, was, um, yeah, one of the actors who just came up with a line read and we went that's infinitely better than anything we could even remotely think to write in there um and it's been yeah it's mm. great it gets me every time we uh, watch a run of the show and mm. it's so good mm. great so i think some of the funniest jokes are the ones that are just more off the cuff yeah and yeah it's it's hard to pre-plan that of course so yeah whatever they can bring to it i'm more than happy for them to chuck it in and I'm so proud of them. They're doing so well. I'm very excited to see it when it's all finished. And so the show is on where, when, how long for? Butterfly Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on for Melbourne International Comedy Festival. And there are 14 performances opening on March March 23rd and right. running through till April 5th. Wonderful. And uh, I believe there's a charity aspect too. Yes, there is. So $1 from each ticket sold is going to be donated to Animal Liberation Victoria to help with their Goat Truth campaign. And what is the Goat Truth campaign? Oh, well, um, I actually found out about it when I was doing my goat research for the show. Um, But the (laughs) 
Research. Yes. Go research is integral <laughs> to the. It's just a funny phrase I don't think I've ever heard before. <laughs> um, well, that's another thing. If you come to the show, you'll learn a lot about goats. Well, it's um, a massive deficit of mine, so it's something exactly. I need to fix. Mm. Amen. I know so many random goat facts now. Um, <laughs> but the actual goat dairy industry in Australia mm. is quite big and because we use goat milk for a lot of things like we don't we you can drink it but most people don't um but it used it's used in soap and in cosmetics and in feta cheese as well mm. and feta cheese is yummy but the way they treat the goats is quite not horrible yummy. not oh. yu- not yummy at all and uh, um they drag the it's i won't go into too many details no, um but <laughs> yes um but yes it's it's definitely not yummy mm. uh, but animal liberation victoria are fighting to change that so right. their campaign goat truth is about raising awareness of this and then hopefully creating a better environment for goats in the future and so we are going to be supporting them by donating it's a great cause then mm. wonderful very much so well i think that's about all we have time for guys thanks so mm. much for for joining me thank I'm you for having forward us to seeing this hilarious romp of a show Fantastic. Uh, and congrats on you know being creative and getting creative your own creative stuff out there it's fantastic to see thank you thank you pleasure and for everyone listening wherever you are make sure you rate tell your friends about it leave a comment subscribe all that good stuff <laughs>